the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. with some Jeff Beck today. Of course, uh, that's the Yardbirds. When that's a group that he started with, and uh, he passed away. He uh, died at 78 years old. Had uh, bacterial meningitis, and uh, he got the best of it. And uh, you know that guy was one of the greatest soul guitarists. I think they played in rock and roll history. Hall of Famer with the Yardbirds and as a solo artist, and uh, I- incredible. I I owned uh, now two of his uh, uh, solo albums. Uh, I I had Truth and I had Beckola, and uh, Beckola and Truth were both. W- it was with uh, uh, with uh, Beck and uh, this uh, guy who was a. Uh, a vocalist that hadn't hit his stride yet that was coming very very soon after those albums but uh, Rod Stewart and some you know Ain't Superstitious and things of that nature great music real loss to the rock and roll community and from everything that I've read he was just a really nice guy super guy uh, Jeff Beck was but uh, he'd play just about with anybody he played with Dylan he played with the Judds I mean, he played with just about anybody. He was out. He had just come off a tour with Johnny Depp. He and Johnny Depp had been out on tour playing music. That's uh, pretty incredible. All right, so that was a huge loss to, uh, of course, uh, the rock and roll community. Now, the sports community uh, has had a big loss uh, today as well. We'll see. You know who Charles White is there, Aaron? I've heard the name. All right. Heisman uh, Trophy winning, uh, USC tailback. Uh, he was an incredible rushing uh, place. Rushed uh, had a rush record of six thousand two hundred and forty-five yards. He was incredible, really was. Everybody talks at uh, USC and UCLA and those schools. Everybody talks about you know OJ, but I'm going to tell you what uh, Charles White was a big dude. He really was. Uh, he's the tailback who still holds the uh, Trojans record for career rushing with 6,245 yards. He died of cancer in Newport Beach, California, according to USC. Played nine years in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. Said uh, John Robinson, who coached White at USC and with the Los Angeles Rams, quote, 
He was the toughest player I've ever coached. He was really unusual in that regard. He was a great player and just loved playing the game. Those are the things I remember the most. He was a really tough guy, and he was extremely gifted as an athlete. But the toughness, wow. And, I mean, he... He came across like that on television. I mean, when you saw him, he always he always had a piece of tape across his nose or something where, uh, you know, he'd been bleeding or whatever. And then uh, USC Athletic Director Mike Bond says Charles White was one of the all-time great Trojans, a Rose Bowl legend, a two-time unanimous All-American, and an NCAA record setter. He made USC proud, donning the Cardinal and the gold. He was a Los Angeles native, again, two-time All-American, won a national title in 78, claimed the Heisman in the following season. In 79, he also captained the Trojans and led the nation in yards rushing. He also won the Walter Camp Maxwell and Pop Warner Awards after his senior senior uh, season. Incredible, incredible ball player. Uh, passed away at 64 years old yesterday from cancer. So that's a big one. That's another big one that we lost uh, today or over here the last couple of days. 11 minutes after 6. Good morning to you. It's a Thursday. Hate starting off always with bad news. You know, people passed away. But, uh, you know, you want to remember remember them because they were great, you know, guitarists, rock and rollers. The Yardbirds, kind of interesting. We opened up with their songs. Uh, Jeff Beck replaced Eric Clapton in that group. Clapton had been the lead guitarist for them first. Then came Jeff Beck. Then came Jimmy Page. Can you have better guitarists than those three right off the bat as a group? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I was talking to Aaron uh, this morning, and, you know, you talk about, you know, you got uh, Beck playing with Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart playing with, you know, small faces, which became faces, but small faces with a, a guitarist in that group by the name of Ronnie Wood. Uh, and you got all these different players that have played together over the years. And let me just tell you, uh, over the next five, ten years, we're going to lose a lot of the greats uh, as far as rock and roll is concerned. For you who think that, uh, uh, you know, some of the players playing now are the greatest. Uh, you need to go get yourself some history. That's all I'll say. You need to get some history because uh, the people who came uh, that that really came out and uh, and explored and devised and 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 brought us rock and roll in the early, early days and then exploded in the the sixties and into the early seventies. That was the golden era, and we've not come close to that ever since. I'm not saying there's not been some great guitarists. I mean, uh, Eddie Van Halen was one of the best. There's no doubt about that. He's a great, great guitarist. But uh, Jeff Beck voted the number five best guitarist of all time by Rolling Stone. And just above him are Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton. 
<laughs> that says something right there. That's three three of the top five all time rock and roll guitarists in the Yardbirds. Think about that. That's incredible. It really is. All right. So a little a little bit of uh, of uh, politics for you. What's going on with Biden, man? Let me ask you, what's going on with Biden? Uh, just weeks away from the annual State of the Union address and his expected re-election announcement, President Biden now is tangled up in a classified paper chase. You know, they found those uh, classified documents in that uh, think tank, which I think is an oxymoron when you're talking about Biden. Uh, the think tank that uh, he had in Washington, D.C., with University of Penn, and uh, they found those uh, classified documents in a closet uh, in a in a uh, an office building. Now they found more documents, and they're not uh, they're not talking about where these were found because I believe it's embarrassing to the president. And let me just tell you that makes me wonder if they weren't found that is one of his his couple of houses that he owns. A batch of classified documents discovered November 2nd at a Washington office by once used after he was vice president and made public for the first time Monday in a report by CBS News. Mushroomed into a foggier narrative involving a second batch of classified documents also uncovered by unnamed members of Biden's team. This time at a different location, unnamed, and it was NBC this time that reported the story. The list of unanswered questions has expanded, including the dates and contents of recovered classified documents, whether the National Archives knew any classified materials were missing, and the scope of the Justice Department's review which began quietly a week before the midterm elections and became publicly known for the first time on Monday. And everybody, you know, everybody just kind of, you know, blew it off with Biden. Yeah, but what's the big deal? It's not like Trump, blah, 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 blah. Now you've got people like Senator Warren and others who hear about these secondary documents that have been uh, uncovered. And they're going, oh, oh, you know, this is going to blow up into something big. DOJ is going to have to make up their mind if they're going to have a special prosecutor because there's any is there any wrongdoing here? You know, is uh, the president hiding you know documents with ties to Hunter Biden? Things of that nature. So going to have to keep an eye on this. The Hill reporting that the White House has been sparring with reporters over Biden's classified documents declining to answer questions while a Justice Department review continues. House Republicans Wednesday said the retention of classified documents by one or more individuals in Biden's orbit, apparently spanning years, would be part of a menu of investigations planned by lawmakers involving the president and his family. Democrats are saying they want Biden to run against the uh, the House GOP. Well, that's going to be awful hard to do if all of a sudden 
you look really, really stupid. Remember that uh, Biden just uh, a few weeks back, after it came out that Trump had hold of uh, classified documents at uh, Mar-a-Lago, that uh, he was, uh, you know, wasn't uh, doing things the way a, a former president should do. And uh, and really beat up the president, ex-president, about it. And Mr. President, take a look in the mirror. There's somebody else out there that you need to talk about. President told reporters Tuesday he was, quote, surprised, unquote, when he learned that his former think tank office contained classified documents in what was described by the White House as a locked closet, Biden said he did not know the contents of the paper. News outlets reported this week that some of the recovered materials dealt with other countries, including Ukraine, Iran, and the U.K. It's kind of interesting. This is going to be this is going to this is going to play play out pretty interesting to uh, say the rest. As uh, we sit and watch this, but watch how the media covers it. They uh, they already tried to cover it low key. Now it's they can't cover it low key anymore. And we'll be interested to watch uh, the Democrats start tap dancing right now. Senator Lindsey Graham, a member of the Judiciary Committee and all and an ally of former President Trump, urged Attorney General Merrick Garland to appoint a special counsel to investigate how classified documents were handled by Biden and others close to him after he departed the White House as vice president. The Justice Department intervened last year with a subpoena and an FBI search to retrieve classified documents Trump moved from the White House to store at his Mar-a-Lago estate. I wonder if we're going to see any kind of FBI raids on the Biden residence. All right. So that's just we're underway. We're running. We got stuff to talk about. We're going to have uh, Rose Mims on at six thirty-five. She's going to talk about the the uh, right to life uh, march that's coming up. That's going to be on the twenty-second. She'll give you all the necessary information. I, I can only hope that the the weather is going to be as nice for that as it was yesterday. Man, it was beautiful yesterday. No doubt about it. All right, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I've been talking about them now for months. Uh, I've told you about they did some great stuff for me for Christmas. Did they do great stuff for you for Valentine's Day? Or or uh, you can start planning for this coming Christmas if you want to. Or you can just go there at uh, 3000 Cavanaugh, check out the display cases. Eric has some of the best designers and jewelry on display there. And maybe you just want to pick up something special for that special someone. Uh, unique creations. Get it done by Eric Coleman. You can get uh, something like I had done if you like to. Everybody who's seen what he did for me are like, wow, that's fantastic. Well, the next time you see Joe at Joe's Garage, ask to see his ring. That was a, a unique creation by Eric Coleman for him uh, that he wears. 
And then if you got estate jewelry, somebody left you some jewelry, you don't know what to do with it, you don't know how much it's worth, you don't know what's real, you don't know what's fake, well, uh, Eric will tell you all of that if you'll just bring it by his uh, office at 3000 Cavanaugh. And if you have need of a repair or you need cleaning, he'll do that as well. He's a all-around jeweler. That's Eric Coleman, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry's open Monday through Saturday, 10 till 6. All right, so uh, more planes are back up in the up in the air today after the uh, FAA had a computer glitch, and uh, we don't know what caused it yet. Nobody's speaking to that point. I, I like how they say, well, it wasn't somebody hacking. How do you know? You don't know what caused it. I find that interesting. Anyway, Fox News reporting that the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration lifted its ground stop order Wednesday uh, after suffering a nationwide technical outage causing mass cancellations and delays. The travel chaos was caused by the failure of the FAA's notice-to-air mission system, which alerts pilots and other personnel about airborne issues and other delays at airports across the country. National Review reporting Biden confirmed earlier uh, yesterday that he had spoken with Buttigieg, who's the head of transportation, and told reporters that aircraft can still land safely, just not take off right now. And Charlie Kirk jumped into the fray saying Biden's FAA set racial equality, inclusion and environmental justice as its top priorities Now it can't keep our planes in the air. Wokeness is always a weapon for making everyone's lives worse. And uh, I just wonder how long, you know, do we uh, continue to let Buttigieg uh, be in charge of uh, transportation? Uh, He said that once flights resumed... He, quote, directed an after-action process to determine root causes and recommend next steps. Biden, meanwhile, told Buttigieg to report directly back to him when he learned the cause of the outage. Later, officials said there was no evidence of a cyber attack and a corrupted computer file looked to be the culprit. They sure haven't been talking very loud about all of that. Said uh, Buttigieg uh, on uh, CNN, quote, we are going to see the ripple effects from that. The the delays from yesterday morning we will have to work through the system during the day. Now we have to understand how this could have happened in the first place. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, why don't you why don't you uh, say what you you know, what's, you know, easy enough to see? I mean, that's like having your hand in front of your face. You can see your hand, can't you? Put it in front of your face. Of course you want to to uh, get flights back to normal. And then, then we want to know what caused it. And this makes sense. Maybe you should have some information for us about what caused it to tell us about. Republicans are blasting the administration for the FAA meltdown. House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee member Garrett Graves of uh, Louisiana tweeting that lawmakers will, quote, aggressively pursue accountability, unquote. Uh, CNN reported that the outage may have been linked, may, they don't know for sure, 
may have been linked to a computer issue in the main NOTAM system and a system reboot to solve said issue that ended up taking longer than expected. Officials decided to perform the reboot early Wednesday before air traffic began flying on the East Coast to minimize disruption to flights. If that's the reason it happened, didn't work out so well, did it, fellas? Quote, they thought they'd be ahead of the rush. The uh, system did come back up, but it wasn't completely pushing out the uh, pertinent information that it needed for safe flight, and it appeared that it was taking longer to do that. Unquote. The FAA then opted to issue a nationwide ground stop at about 7.30 Eastern Time yesterday, halting all domestic departures, a dramatic and rare uh, occurrence. All right, we got uh, some uh, fresh news coming up to you here in just about 20 seconds. Then I'll be back with you. Rose Mims will be my special guest. At about 6.35, we'll talk about the March for Life. That's coming up on the 22nd, and uh, she'll give us all the ins and outs on that. Don't forget, starting Monday, my show moves to 7 a.m. till 11 a.m. joins us, Arkansas Right to Life. Hey, Rose, how are you this wonderful morning? Doing fine, Dave. That's great. Let's talk about the uh, March for Life. It, it doesn't seem possible. seems like we just wrapped up the one last year. It's time for the new one this year. It is, and there's a big change that I want everybody to be aware of, and that is we are marching down Capitol Avenue in front of the Capitol. We're going to be getting at State Street. It's about seven blocks, and we will have um, two big parking lots on either side of Capitol at State Street. For everybody to gather on, you know, about one thirty when people start arriving for the March for Life. Oh, you know, you have been going up the back side of the Capitol. This side, uh, this time you're going through to a, up the front of the uh, Capitol. Why the difference this year? Well, it's a big anniversary. You know, um, January 22nd would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And... I just really wanted to to really mark that with a special uh, in a special way, and you know, for years we did march down Capitol Avenue. Yes, you did. Louisiana all the way up to the Capitol is about fifteen blocks, and it got a little bit too much uh, for us to handle, so we decided we'd go back um, onto the Capitol property, march from behind, make it a little bit shorter, but. Um, at least for 2023, we're going to be coming down Capitol Avenue, at beginning at State Street. And I think uh, we'll have a bigger crowd because of, you know, we're celebrating. Yeah. Roe is gone. Abortion is over in Arkansas. And uh, still lots of work to do to keep it that way. But we're going to be celebrating. We've got a great speaker, Deanna Jessen, that's going to be here who survived a saline abortion in 1978. Wow. Uh, yeah, she was one of the very first people to come out and to um, speak about that, that you know, her her life, what happened. And uh, she's got a powerful, very uh, emotional story, and I'm excited to be bringing her for this very uh, monumental uh, occasion to come, for Arkansas pro-life people to come together to celebrate the end of Roe 
and to mark, you know, we always march to remember those lives lost and to rededicate ourselves to protecting all innocent human life. And that hasn't changed. That's what that's why we're marching. Yeah. And, and you know, on the people who are pro-choice or, as I like to say, pro-death, uh, they, uh, you know, they're freaking out right now because the Congress is uh, up there in uh, Washington, D.C., the House, are trying to say if somebody, if there, if there was a some kind of a uh, abortion performed and it didn't have its desired effect, which is the death of the unborn, and they are actually born, that we're supposed to take care of them. The other side is saying, I can't believe you're going to do that. That just shows you, you know, how different the thought process is here. Yeah, and that's Gianna's story. You know, she, her mother was uh, there for an abortion. It was a sailing abortion. They don't even do those anymore. They inject a salt solution, you know, into the amniotic fluid. It literally burns up the baby alive. Mm-hmm. But she, she survived that. And she did, she did get the medical attention that she needed, not because the doctor did it. It was nurses who rescued her. And, uh, you know, she put it was put into the foster care system and eventually adopted. And it wasn't until I think she was a young teenage girl that uh, her mother finally shared the details of, you know, how her life came to be. Wow. And, yeah, and, and Gianna, that just lit a fire in her, you know, to tell the story. And she's testified before Congress and, you know, fighting for the lives of unborn children like herself who you know, deserve to live. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, give us uh, the rundown. It's going to start at what time? Where should we gather up? And, uh, you know, uh, when the speakers are expected, is the governor saying she's going to be there? And uh, what all's coming down? Yes, uh, the governor is um, expected to be there. Also, the lieutenant governor. And other elected officials, uh, constitutional officers, members of the General Assembly, there, there should be members of Congress there. I'm not sure exactly yet who will be there. And, uh, yeah, we want people to gather about beginning about 1.30 at the two parking lots on either side of Capitol Avenue at State Street. Really want people to be there, not cars. There's lots of free parking all over the, you know, it's the front of the Capitol and even behind the Capitol if they want to park behind the Capitol. But there's lots of parking. So don't park on those lots, but gather, bring your signs. We will have some signs available for people. Um, wait for, you know, the official um, beginning of the march. We will have the Little Rock Police Department escorting the marchers. Uh, we will have streets barricaded, so you, you won't be able to get onto Capitol Avenue, and that's a good thing. We need the street to march, so uh, just come. The Capitol will be open if anybody needs, uh, you know, the uh, restroom facilities. But we're marching down Capitol Avenue promptly at 2 p.m. Uh, we're going to have a large contingent of the Knights of Columbus Honor Guard. Oh, cool. Be, they'll be out front leading the march, then the, 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 the banner, and everybody will be behind the banner. All the crowd will be behind the banner marching and filling in, you know, as we proceed up Capitol Avenue. That will happen at 2 p.m. So people should get there early. 
and so they can be in place to march. If you cannot march, if you're not physically able to, just come to the steps of the Capitol, find a spot, bring a chair if you need to, and wait with me, you know, till the, the uh, crowd will get to the steps for our program. I've told you about Jana Jessen, our keynote speaker, about, you know, the elected officials that have been invited. We'll have a performance music by uh, Daniel Allen of North Little Rock. He'll be singing. And, you know, basically the march will happen like it always has. Start staging about 1.30. Program will end roughly about 3.30. We do take up a collection uh, you know, during the program to help offset the expenses of the march and to help, um, you know, jumpstart the work of Arkansas Right to Life for the year. Yeah, and I'm looking uh, ahead at the weather. It looks like it's going to be nice. You're calling for a day of no precipitation and a mostly sunny sky. Uh, the high that day they're predicting to be 49 degrees. So it's not going to be balmy, but it could be a it could be a whole lot worse, but the wind is going to be blowing, uh, of course. But it'd been nice if yesterday was going to be the twenty second. I got to tell you, it was beautiful yesterday. Oh yes, it was, and you know we've marched in all kinds of. Yeah, weather. you have. <laughs> Glad you brought it up because you know we won't be canceling the march due to weather. And here in Arkansas, we never know from day to day, you know, really yeah. what it's going to do. So, but I'm I haven't really looked ahead to the forecast. So thanks for that heads up. And and we'll see what, you know, whatever we get. We'll be there marching. Well, it looks fantastic. So run over it one more time for everybody, Rose, and then I'm going to let you go. It's going to be on the 22nd. That's what a couple of that's a couple of weeks from this weekend. So uh, when should people gather again? Where should they gather? And then we'll play this interview a couple of times. Uh, again, we'll play it on Monday for everybody as well. Perfect. Yeah, you start at State Street. It's about uh, seven blocks um, from the Capitol, and there's two parking lots at, at 1.30. You know, you should start gathering there. I will have volunteers. We need more volunteers. If anybody wants to volunteer, they can give us a call at, at the office. But um, 2 o'clock is when the official beginning of the march starts, marching down Capitol Avenue up to the Capitol, from in front, not behind, front of the Capitol, to the steps for the program with Jana Jessen. Should be over about 3.30 p.m. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Rose. I'll let you get back now. Grab a nap before you take on your day, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now. Rose Mims, Arkansas Right to Life and the uh, Right to Life March coming up on the 22nd of this month. You'll want to be part of it. And this year, instead of being the march coming up the backside of the Capitol, we're walking up to the front of the Capitol building again, and we'll hear everybody speak from the steps, uh, the portico kind of area up there uh, on on the steps. So I look forward to, to that. All right, let's get our break in. 646 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis. Wants to save you a lot of money when it comes to uh, health insurance. I mean, look, Pat can cut your costs right up front, 30 to 50 percent. You do the math, it's going to save you a lot of money over the course of 2023. On top of that, no co-pays. You can figure that out. And all those deductibles are going to be reduced considerably. And on top of that, 
He's going to make sure you get the money uh, in your bank account that typically a middleman would get that typically robs people who have health insurance. So they're going to save you money. Look, the, the best way to check this out is uh, check it out with the other people that have already done this. And there's, you know, probably thousands of other people who have done this and uh, find out how much money that uh, your health plan man has saved them. Here's all you got to do. Call or text 501-605-6935. That number again is 501 605 6935, and you heard me right, call or text. They'll answer either one. Or you can just visit them online, Pat Davis, Your Health Plan Man. It's yourhealthplanman.com. Due to the alleged health threat that they pose to Americans. See, it went even further than that. It went even further than that. It wasn't, they got to the point where they weren't talking just about gas stoves. They were talking about gas furnaces. If you burn natural gas to heat your home, they were going to make you have to change to electric heat. Now, let me just say this to you. If they have been thinking about it, they will put it off right now because you learned about it and you and you push back on it. And you always have to push back when they uh, they come out on this stuff. But as soon as they think that you've forgotten about it, they'll be back and uh, try to take uh, another bite. The White House uh, Wednesday uh, asserted that President Joe Biden does not support a ban on gas stoves after a federal consumer safety official suggested such a proposal was on the table. And I have funny feeling the other thing that came out uh, a picture came out of his wife first lady cooking on a gas stove don't think that you want to be showing that you're doing this kind of stuff and then you're saying we want to ban it cnn reporting uh from the libs of tiktok gas stoves for me but not for thee <laughs> so that's the truth and then uh twitter uh, this comes after the nation widely dismissed the idea, so we can chalk this up to Biden trying to earn brownie points. You know, they're expecting during the uh, State of the Union to announce that he's going to run again. And I'm wondering if these uh, files that they're finding in his think tank, and we don't know where these other batches have been found, uh, is not somebody trying to derail is uh, trying to run again uh, for uh, for president. And then uh, finally, uh, from ABC, Illinois, Tuesday became the latest U.S. state to ban the sale or possession of what, what they call assault weapons. Just hours after the legislation's passage in both chambers of the Illinois General Assembly, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the Protect Illinois Communities Act into law during a ceremony at the state capitol in Springfield. The new law bans uh, any assault weapons, including some semi-automatic firearms, along with high-capacity magazines and rapid-firing devices. Did you see the story earlier this week 
that bump stocks are going to be able to be sold again. So uh, keep keep your eye on your favorite uh, you know gun store on the internet when that happens again. Finding that uh, a court finding that that was illegal to to uh, make them uh, illegal to own. All right, coming up, we're going to have Duck. We'll talk about uh, cars. We'll talk about what's new with cars. We'll talk about problems with cars. All that's coming up. If you get a question, find out about your car, 501-823-0965 will be the number to call. And then at 9 o'clock today, uh, Jimmy Cavan will be with us, and we'll have a lot of things to talk about with my number one muckraker, Jimmy Cavett. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, about a minute until 7 o'clock. Give you a little bit of music and then the news right here at 1011 FM. The answer. All right, so got a question for you. What's the motorcycle trails like in Texas? Uh, down around Texas A&M. <laughs> I and mean, I'm just wondering, what, what, what are they like? And uh, will Bobby Petrino, I just heard about this. How did I miss this? I don't know. That he left. He, he was going to Nevada last I heard. And, and now he's going to end up down with uh, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Why would you hire that man? Well, it's good offense. I mean, he's, you know, Dave, when he was at Arkansas, he didn't care about defense. He was going to outscore you. Well, I understand that, but uh, it's it's like he liked cheerleaders, too. Well, <laughs> what can I say? That's what I was fixing to say. What you know, can I say? You know, didn't, you know, I don't know. What were you going to say, Aaron? Well, he was, a, you know, got hired by Barry Odom, UNLV. And Barry yeah. Odom, obviously the former defensive coordinator, which was surprising to everybody because nobody thought he'd leave Missouri State. A&M, I think, is just desperate to have some type of offensive performance because A&M's offensive performance this year was very, very bad. I'll just put it that way. They finished last in a lot of the offensive uh, schematics, I'd say, in college football and you know, with the amount of five-star talent they had come in, was just really surprising to see how it went. And I'm still surprised by it because I didn't think the SEC would allow Bobby Petrino to re-enter the SEC after what he did. Well, I'm, I'm what the guy that's head of the SEC. What's his name? Sankey. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, has he not said something about this? Oh yeah. I haven't. I personally haven't seen anything he said. Um, of course, I haven't. I haven't really looked into it because this hire just scares the uh, the heebie-jeebies out of me because, <laughs> I mean, considering how our defense has looked and how Petrino's offenses have looked. Well, i got to believe that our coach is going to fix our defense, of course. But you got to go out and get a good defensive coordinator. And I don't know if we've got that yet. I think we did. I think the hire um, – I'm not sure on his name off the top of my head. It's the uh, – who was a former defensive coordinator at UCF with Gus, and his defenses had the best third down and red zone defenses, one of the best in all of college football. Now, that's in the American Conference. Yeah. And it's not SEC, brother. Yeah. Who knows if it's going to yeah. translate over. Look what happened to, to TCU. Oh, ow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they got spanked. Every. Every piece of good bojo that happened to them during the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs 
came due in the championship game. I'm just saying. They, every mistake that you could make, they made right at the beginning of the game. They looked like Michigan. It was, oh, it was ridiculous. They, they went through the whole game making mistakes. Oh, I know. It was bad. It I was mean, really bad. I, I think they could have scored 100 points on them if they wanted to. Now, now, here's the other question I've got for Aaron and for, for Doug. What about Hugh Freeze? This guy doesn't have a good track record, and it's not like he follows the rules. Would you bring him into your program? Aaron, would you would you have hired Hugh Freeze? Morally, no. No, not at all. I understand why Auburn did it because Auburn is um, – I have my own thoughts on Auburn. <laughs> well, go ahead. I'm, I'm, let's them. hear them. But, uh, What's your thought on Auburn? You know, they're, they do they – they have to keep up with Alabama. Auburn, it doesn't matter the circumstances or anything. They have to keep up with the team in Tuscaloosa. So this was their best option. Hugh Freeze was their best option. And from a coaching standpoint and from what he's done, yeah, I guess. You know, he, he's a pretty good coach. He coached a Liberty team for three, four years and, you know, did pretty decent with them. I mean, when he was at Ole Miss, we all know what happened at Ole Miss. He brought in some guys and with some extra stuff going on. Uh, but we'll just have to find out. I, I think it's I think it's a good hire on the coaching standpoint, but – Morally, and again, this, is, this goes back to the SEC. I didn't think they would allow him to be back in the SEC after what he did at Ole Miss. All right, we'll we'll see on this. We got got a couple of uh, teams that we'll be watching next year just because of who the coaches are. Still think it was stupid for him to hire to fire Gus. I'll I'll die on that hill. All right. What about you, uh, Mister uh, Mister yeah. Duck? What do you think about Hugh Freeze coming back? I mean, he used to be a coach at ASU, right? And he did, he did. He did yes. pretty good at ASU. Yeah, then he, yes, went, he to, went to Ole Miss. But of course, Gus I, did well at ASU. Yeah, and another thing, too, you know, he paid all these players under the table, but now they can pay them on top of the table. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. That was, that was a way to make it uh, legal for your uh, – Supporters to pay the players. That's yeah, look basically at, look what at all USC going at a time when Reggie Bush and all them was out there. Yeah, Reggie Bush has been saying he wants his uh, Heisman back mm-hmm. because they took it away from and him. I think they were give it back to him. Yeah, yeah, that ain't going to happen. No, I know it ain't going to happen, but you know that is not going to happen. I mean, yeah, he he really soiled the image of USC terribly. You can't you can't break the rules when you know they're wrong. They might not be rules anymore now, but at the time he knew the rules, and he shouldn't have broken them. Yeah, yes. I mean, what are they going to do when they uh, they start really allowing, you know, baseball players to use steroids? Are they going to say, well, then Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. No, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, there's one of the greatest pitchers in baseball sitting on the sidelines and never see the Hall of Fame because he used performance enhancing drugs. Look at Pete Rose. Yeah, yeah, Pete Rose. Betting. Look at all the betting that goes on in sports now. Pete Rose is probably going, oh, I, think oh. Is, I think is stupid. I think now, and now, he did that, you guys might know, he did that, what, early 80s, late 70s? Yeah. That happened? Long time ago. Okay, so now I think it would be a different situation. But again, it goes back to what we just said about Reggie Bush, or what I just said. You knew the rules at the time. Not supposed to do that. So, I mean... It goes both ways, I think. But keep in mind that what Pete Rose did was nothing like what the Black Sox did. The Black Sox threw the games, 
All right, they bet on them and threw the games. The uh, Pete Rose uh, did not. That's not something that wasn't in his DNA. He, if he was out on the field or if he was, he was the manager. He was doing everything that he could to be able to win. So anyway, enough about sports. Let's talk a little bit about cars. Uh, I was talking to your son on Saturday, and he said that you guys are all backed up now for about three weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, three or four weeks now. Uh, if it's very big, now oil changes and uh, breaks and stuff like that, we're running them on through. But if it's a six, seven, eight-hour job, yeah, it's three to four weeks to get them in. <clears throat> I got a yard. You can't even get on the yard. It's so full. Wow. Wow, you're that big, that, you know, and you got a big yard back there. Yeah, and uh, it's just uh, I got motor building going on. I got camshafts for Chevrolets. I've got turbos for uh, Chevrolets and Fords and Dodges. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's just everything is breaking. Dave, I got a city of Little Rock needs an end frame, so it's a. Uh, International got a 530, uh, what they call a DT 530. Yeah, this is a diesel, right? Yeah. Okay. Belongs to the city of Little Rock. It's in a fire truck. It's got water coming out around number four cylinder, number four liner. I spent six and a half hours Tuesday chasing the end frame kit. Can't so find I, one still? So I, I found it. Los Angeles, California. Six and a half hours. On the phone, on the computer, that's how hard parts are to find nowadays. I got a Dodge truck out back, needs ECM on it. It finally come in yesterday. Been on order for seven months. So how has this affected the new 2023s? Are there even any 23s on, on lots yet? There is a few. General Motors got a few and Ford's got a few, but not many. And are they the combustion engines, or is it the electric cars? Oh, no, they're they're all combusted, you know. I'm sure you can get an all-electric one, but but it's got the same problem everybody else has got. It don't have a body control module to make the windows go up and down. The seats go back and forth. Uh, the heated steering wheel, the cool steering wheel, it don't have none of that. But they are getting better. I know I come by Everett this morning, and I noticed they had a, they had quite a few new trucks in. Okay. As long as you want white, blue, <laughs> or gray. yeah, the, the typical colors that yeah. really yeah don't know. don't think you're gonna get no cayenne red. No, oh. you ain't getting it because that's the color I want. So you're still waiting on yours. I'm driving another white one. All right, that's the way it works. Seven sixteen on a uh, uh, Thursday. Don't forget about East End Towing. You get stuck on the side of the road. You're over there on the right shoulder. You need to, you know, get off of it. Call East End Towing. Put this number in your phone, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. Whether, uh, you know, it's your car, uh, your trailer you're pulling, your uh, camper you're pulling, or the camper you're driving. Uh, East End Towing has all the answers of how to get you off the road and get you somewhere where you can get fixed and then get back on the road. That's 501-888-8849. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I was just telling Doug, I, I don't think I talked about this on the air. Aaron, did I tell you what I got from Christmas from my daughter and son-in-law? I think you cheated. 
I don't think you did. Yeah, I got to tell you this. This is cool. They gave me an. I had to wait to the very end. Everybody had gotten their gifts. Then I got mine at the very end. So they they hand me this envelope, and I open it up, and it says, um, you know, uh, Merry Christmas, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a ticket in there. And uh, there was nothing on the front. They said, okay, now what's going to happen is on the back of the ticket. Flip it over. So I flipped it over. On April 22nd, uh, in fact, we're leaving the 21st, they're driving me up back home to Chicago, and we're staying in Wrigleyville, right across the street from uh, the, the the park, uh, Wrigley Field. And on the 22nd, I'm going, and I told them, man, bring your winter gear if we're going up to April 22nd. I said, because uh, if the wind's coming off the lake, it's going to be cold. But we're going to go see the Cubs and the, and the Dodgers play. Oh, wow. So, I'm look, I'm beyond stoked already about this. And uh, I told my uh, son-in-law, I said, yeah, you understand where we got to go before we go to the ball game? And he said, well, I said, Billy Goat Bar, man. Got to go to the tavern. Got to go over where the where the curse started at. Check it out. So uh, it looks like maybe I've been watching what the Cubs have been doing over the, the winter time. Looks like they've added some pretty good names, and they should be much more competitive than they were last year, although they played pretty good in the second half of the season last year. But I'm a, I'm a big Cub fan, and this will be the first time that I've been to a Cub game in Wrigley since mid-90s. It's been a long time. Long time. And that ball field, I'll walk in there, and it'd be like I never left. <laughs> it never changes. It is the same. as. In fact, there has been one change. The last time I was there, Duck, they still didn't have lights. The they lights, have now, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got lights now, but they didn't have I guess, lights then. I guess all the baseball field now yeah, has Yeah, all the, all the fields have it. And But, uh, yeah, Wrigley Field didn't have lights the last time I went to it. They were still working that out with the uh, surrounding neighborhoods. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And I don't know if you remember or not, but the Cubs traded and got Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I know so that. That'll be Yeah, he'll be out in the that's outfield. That's awesome. That yeah, is. and this is the first time – He'll face his uh, old team. I mean, they didn't get – look, if I was Bellinger, this is a team that I'd be, I'd be pissed at. I was MVP and all kinds of stuff, and then they turn around, I have a bad season, and they don't, they don't even trade me. They just waver me. It's like you're a piece of trash, and they throw you out on the curb, you know? It's business, man. You know I'm what just they saying, say, that's they, tough, buddy. That's you know the what tough they part say? of it. It ain't what you did yesterday. It's what you're going to do for me today. Yeah, you better you better be doing it today. I'm hoping he has, like, a tremendous comeback season because I, I, I think that there's a, that guy's got a lot more gas in his tank still. So, we'll, But we'll find out. And I like the kid that they picked up for a shortstop from the Braves. He's he's good. What do you think about the Korea story, uh, Aaron? What do you think about that? Carlos Correa? Yeah, Correa, yeah. Man. I mean, you're going to go to the Giants. Giants get ready to sign him, and all of a sudden they get ready to have a press conference, and they call it off. And he's waiting to find out what the Giants are going to say, and the Mets call him. And he says the Mets offer him uh, 
I think they offered him a 12-year deal. For, stupid uh, money. For, oh, yeah. I mean, it is stupid money. For uh, how much was it that they asked that they offered him? Two hundred and something million dollars. It was it was up there. Yeah, was, and so he's going to sign that. They don't like that during the time he was in the minor leagues, he broke his leg, and they questioned Mark about that. He doesn't even wait on him. He just turns around and goes back the other day and signs with the Minnesota Twins again. Heads back to the Twins. Now he lost about a hundred and fifty million dollars over. 10 years the way this worked out but uh, I think the twins got themselves a bargain to be honest I think he's making 33 million a year is what uh, what I I, I read uh, well, Davis just dropping the bucket yeah. yeah pretty much and he wasn't going to make anything because he couldn't pass a physical that's what the whole point was with all three of those teams like even the twins before they actually signed him two days ago he couldn't pass a physical, and they were. It was about it. What is it? it was, the right leg, right? Yes, yes. It was the right leg. They were still concerned about the injury, but like I said, it, Twins ended up signing him two hundred million to six years, two hundred fifteen or two hundred and seventy. He could max out within ten seasons. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I don't understand. I could understand these teams being concerned. Because he'd miss playing time because of his right leg? He's not missed a game because of his right leg. That's never been an issue with him. So I I don't know what the doctors are saying, what they're seeing. I don't know if it's he's going to have arthritis in that leg uh, you know, sooner or later and there's going to be problems. But they're not worried about what's going to happen eight years down the road. They know they're going to lose their money then. Because, no, look, somebody... If you're a shortstop and you're 40 years old, you're not playing that at shortstop when you're 40 years old. It's just not going to happen. You got to be uh, you got to be too quick at shortstop to be or at second base to do those and be able to range left and to the right without any problem. I could see him they stick him at third base maybe or at first base you can you can feel the ground ball if you can play shortstop. I mean, he can play first base. He's a big guy. Like he's 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 pretty massive. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to be fun to watch and see see how uh, how he does. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we got news coming our way uh, here in just a minute. I got to get to news in just a minute. Uh, and let me ask you a question here, Duck. I'll ask you a question, and then you can you can answer it. When we come back, or you can answer it right now. Rear driver's turn signal intermittently fails. Bulb is good. There is no apparent reason for functional restoration. This is on a 2008 Chrysler PT Cruiser. It needs a plug on it. Okay. Plug's bad. Needs a plug pig, shorted out the inside. pigtail thing? Yep. Okay. All right. There you go. What can I tell you? See how fast he answered that? His son did the same thing for him Saturday. Blake did a good job Saturday. Yep. Did a really good job. I thought you were coming, and you decided not to come. What you decided to sleep in? No, he, we went to see my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law's got cancer real oh, bad. We went. And sorry to him. hear that. Uh, Saturday afternoon, and uh, Blake's dad, I got. It. I'll, I'll go do the radio. So I said, okay. okay. I'm trying to get him and Russell to do it more. So people get used to him because yeah. you know you're going to want to you're going to want to retire here pretty soon, maybe. Now nah, I won't never retire, but <laughs> I, you know I'm just trying to get them to do yeah, it. Yeah, but you're going to cut back. Well, yeah, we, you know, I've already cut back. Uh, the 
probably the first day of July, I'll be gone for about five weeks. Where are you guys going this time? Uh, we're going. Don't out. tell me everything. Just a little we're bit because your wife through, will be calling me. Through, uh we're going to uh, Durango, Colorado. I'm gonna ride the train. Oh, okay. And we're leaving there, going up through Idaho, on over into Washington State. I'll get the rest of the itinerary when we come back. All right, don't forget about PI Roofing and Home Solutions. That's right. If you need your roof fixed, they can do that for you. If you need to get some construction done on your house or a deck or whatever, they can do that for you now as well and do it just as professionally and as great as they have done roofs over the last 20-odd years. So give them a call, 501-707-3115. Give them a call. Have them come out. Show them what you need done. Let them bid on it. And then uh, make your decision. That's what I did dealing with my uh, uh, my deck, and uh, they'll be out sometime in uh, the late spring to take care of it. And then, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting it back to where it needs to be. Uh, PIRoofing.com, that's where you'll find them on the Internet. All right, Dave Ellswick show back with Duck. Duck is here. Joe is not. Joe had surgery last week. You said you talked to him yesterday, and yeah, I talked he's to him. sore, but he's doing yeah. all right. Said hip feels pretty good. It's just sore, and and uh, you know you go to therapy and they make it sore again. I mean, we oh, both yeah. know how that is. Yeah. So, did you know? Did they tell you now? Uh, when I had my shoulders reconstructed with Gillum, Doctor Gillum did it. Uh, when I went to PT, uh, I showed up and they're you know bending my shoulder all around mm-hmm. and. They're lifting it up from the table all the way up over my head, and and they're asking me how I'm feeling. And, and to be honest, it wasn't bothering me that badly, although the surgery had been extensive. It wasn't bad. I got a pretty high pain threshold. But I got done, and I said, yeah, it's a little sore. And she says, well, you know, uh, probably the reason you were able to do this, Dave, is because, you know, you took that pain pill uh, that we gave you, got, it gave you before you came for uh, PT and I said, "What pain pill?" And the <laughs> nurse looks at me and she says, "You didn't get that big pink pain pill?" And I said, "No, ma'am." She said, "Oh my God, how did you handle that?" And I said, "Handled it like I handle anything else." Yeah, I mean, you know, but they, you know, they typically want you to take a pain pill so that they can push you a little bit. Yeah, I don't like pain pills. I don't really either because they make me doped up. Yeah, yeah, it make me bad sleepy, and you know they'll be trying to do exercise on me, and I'll be asleep laying on the table. So, you know, I just, I just don't. But that's them. a good way of doing it: be asleep while they're they're forcing yeah. you to exercise. That's not. That's yeah, not but the problem is they always want me to take put that strap around my ankle. No, oh, yeah, and pull it up. Yes, yeah, lay on lay on your back and pull it up far as you can pull it, and which I got mine. Mine's back up to 125 degrees bending, so. You're good. You know it's it's you know it's it's best it's going to be. And so, okay, so now, Dave, let's answer this. This Amanda's got a 2000 Chevrolet Impala. It's a base car, six cylinder, three point eight. It says that what does it cost to replace the head gaskets? And let me, I'm going to read the rest of it over here. It says uh, my car overheated and the head gaskets are blowed. Can anyone tell me how much it is going to cost for parts and labor? Probably the reason it blowed the head gasket is got an intake leak. That thing has a plastic intake on it, and that's usually what causes the head gasket leaking. 
but she's going to spend somewhere around three thousand dollars fix it, providing that the heads are not busted. You don't know that till you get in there. Mm. But them three point eights was not real bad to bust the heads. But uh, you know, do you need to call one of us certified centers? Any of us can do it. I can do it. Joe can do it. Gary Henry can do it. Ryan can do it. You know, any of us can do it. Just call one of us and set up an appointment, and we'll get you in, get you took care of. Did Joe say when he expected to go back to work? A couple of weeks. Okay. You know. Yeah, I got, I'm waiting. Stephanie, Stephanie says three or four weeks, but. Okay. Yeah, I know. know Joe. It won't be three or four weeks. Yeah, it, you know, it's kind of like me. He, you know, you only can sit at home and watch so much TV. Um, you're right about that, especially daytime television, because there's not much on it. Although, yeah. on uh, the BBC, uh, I found last night they got bones on there, and they just run them one after another. I mean, hours. And I like bones, so I might uh, so on that it, catch on up. the very back page. Dave Reed, the guy, got the two thousand nine Ford. Okay, the, yeah, the F two fifty Super Duty XL eight cylinder five point liter engine on it. Okay, yeah. Uh, started no notice. It was losing power when accelerating to merge onto the highway. Notice this next time I drove it, and check engine light came on. Code reader says it has a P0191 code fuel rail pressure sensor. Tried replacing the sensor, but it changed nothing. So what should I do next? The truck starts every time, no issues there. You only notice the issue when trying to pick up speed to merge onto the highway, for example, and or when you're climbing a hill. It really lags when climbing a hill. Any thoughts? Yeah. He put a sensor in it. It had that code, that PO191 uh, code, because uh-huh. it's low fuel pressure. Oh, really? That's why, I mean, so the sensor done what, is bad? Yeah, sensor done what it's supposed to do to tell him, and that's why it, it's the pump's not out. It's just low about five or six pounds, and when you get it on the interstate and you start to accelerate, you know, like he said, trying to get on the interstate, it just it ain't got the volume of the fuel there that it needs to make it run right. Okay. Put a fuel pump in it. Call one of us. We'll scan. A code reader is great, but a code reader only tells you what's there. It don't tell you where to go to fix it, you know. And uh, he probably spent $150 for that sensor. And that, you know. You didn't need it. No. Because it was working. Yeah. It, it, was, it, turned it, it turned it on and said it was low fuel, fuel rail pressure. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, we understand that Corey has called in. Hey, Corey, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Ducks here. Which question? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, Pretty good. Uh, so I have a 2012 Hyundai Sonata, and basically, if I hit the um, push start button, everything comes on, but the engine will not start. So I try replacing the, the battery and the key. And uh, the light that shows up is basically a car with a key inside of it. So I have no idea. Anti-theft. Will it turn over? No, it doesn't. won't do nothing yet. The anti-theft's got it locked out. Anti-theft's got it locked out. Yeah, anti-theft. And uh, it could be. Has the battery been down on that thing lately? Have you replaced the battery or anything? No, uh-uh. I, it died at Walmart, and I left it there for like a couple of days, and then I went and jumped it off, and it jumped off. It was yeah. weird, but but now it won't. It won't. It'll just come on electrical. Everything will come on. Yeah. Trunk, the button works, everything. Put the light on the dash with the with the key, key in it in the middle of it. Yep. Yeah. It's lost its it's lost its programming to the key, 
and you'll have to get it to someone that can program him. Uh, Joe, I think Joe can program them. The only one around here. Uh, where are you located at? Uh, I'm in Little Rock. Uh, uh, you may try Ryan. He may can do it. If he, if you don't, you call Joe's Garage over in North Little Rock. Talk to Stephanie, okay. and uh, she'll get you in there and get it programmed. It, what it is, okay. you, your key is lost to, to Halo. When you when you stick your key into the Halo and it reads that chip in a key, and it tells it, okay, I got the right key. Uh, have you tried another key? No, that's the uh – that's the only one that, that that my wife has. Okay, I said say a lot of times you've, if you got another key, you can stick another key in it, and, and, and most time it'll start. And what it is, that key has lost its memory, and it just needs to be reprogrammed. Okay, the key itself. So I don't know. I don't need another key fob. No, need a- no. The key is the key. The key itself has lost it. Yeah, they'll take care of all of that, and it'll, yeah. work, it'll work again. Call Joe's Garage. Yeah. Do that today. Talk to Stephanie. Tell yeah. her you talked to the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, they'll get you all set up. Oh, okay. Use Thank this, you use this a couple, couple $300 to get them done. Okay. All right. Appreciate all right. you. Thanks. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. we got to get a break in. Let's do that. 746 on a Thursday on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget, starting Monday, Dave Ellswick Show starts at 7 a.m., and uh, we do not complete our show until 11 a.m., and then Charlie Kirk will follow me up. So that begins on Martin Luther King Day on Monday, and then uh, Tuesday I'll be back live on the air, and we'll have a best of Monday. Tuesday I'll be back online, and we will be in the Capitol to start our coverage of uh, what's going on with the uh, General Assembly? So uh, that should be a lot of fun. All right, uh, Diesel Dan sent uh, a question about a 2006 Ford F-150. This is an FX 4.8 and uh, a 5.4 cylinder engine. I was left dead on the road the other day with codes P2110, P2104, P2100, P. 0223, P0222, P0122. All throttle body stuck codes or circuit voltage codes. I took a leap of faith and got a new throttle body with new electric motor and uh, TPS. Replaced the part, started it up, seemed to idle five, so I took off. I made it half a block and it shut down again. I had codes 0121. Uh, sensor code problem 2104 and 21112. Throttle actuator control system stuck close. So I did the relearn. Key on engine off. Slowly bottom out pedal and release three times. It worked. Drove off codes and idle again. Disconnected negative battery cable. Short to power about five minutes. Start truck, no loads, let idle 15 minutes. That took me around the block three times, but then same three codes forced idle. If I disconnect the TPS, electric motor, or MAF runs really rough. I've done both relearn methods multiple times. I don't see any visible broken wires. Any ideas? Question mark. Thank you, exclamation marks. I didn't understand a word of what this guy just said, but I know Duck did, so let's see what he has to say. It's 
the codes he keeps throwing up the twenty one oh four, the 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 one twenty one and the twenty one twelve, it's telling him that it's got a vacuum leak. Okay. And that's why it's throwing it up because the idle speed motor is cocked wide open, then it sticks and then, then that's why it won't idle. You you gotta take it to someone that's got a computer that can look at all the information go in and see what's working what's not working and you most likely you're going to find a vacuum hose broke and it's going to be on the back of the intake where you can't hardly see it and you can't hear it but we got a smoke machine we'll smoke it and we'll find it mayor joe or gary henry any of us you know that's what you're going to have to do most likely he replaced the throttle pedal he didn't you you can't hardly get them to relearn without having a computer to make them relearn okay so he's gonna have to go to somebody that's got a computer that can put on it as joe always says we'll we'll repair it we're not just gonna throw parts at it so take it to one of us certified centers and we'll fix you all right I gotta you'll probably mine. spend if it's just vacuum line like i i suspect it is and to relearn you'll probably spend five or six hundred dollars yeah i gotta go in and see joe when he gets back to the uh the uh you know, working area. I've, uh, I think that I'm low on, on uh, coolant, low, low on coolant, because I've, as I'm driving, I notice that my heart, my uh, car gets a, goes over where it should be as far as how hot it is, and uh, then when I'm just driving around town, if I'm not, if I'm not accelerating, the heater blows cooler air mm-hmm. it's a little bit low that's what i thought i'm, I'm maybe I'm, what i'll do is just i'll open up top and look at the reservoir and fill mm-hmm. it yeah, up it should have a plastic reservoir on it and it's just, probably a couple of quarts low just fill it up free. yep just buy some antifreeze yep. what do i make do i put about a third water in with it no just buy a gallon of the 50 50 mix okay it's already pre-mixed and everything you just so, pour it in yep just pour it straight into it and you'll be fine that's what i'll do then I get look my my engine temperature gauge is rock solid on exactly where it should be, yep. but it started moving up, and I looked at my wife yep. and I said, "There's something that makes me nervous." <laughs> well, you you know, and you've heard me and Dave, me and Joe talk about this, Dave. You know, most of the time when it blows a head gasket, it's got other problems. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time something causes nothing. It. No other, no lights are on or anything. Yeah, you got the three C's. You got cause, you got the effect of the cause, then you got the the repair of the cause. So, you know, a lot of times people come in and say, "I need head gaskets." Okay, we put head gaskets on. Why? Then we'll fix the problem. You know, because these radiators nowadays got a plastic tank on them. They're good for about one hundred fifty thousand miles, and they're going to split. Because when you heat one two hundred and twenty degrees, and then it cools back off. You know, plastic's going to crack out. I don't I don't care whose plastic it is. Yep, it does that. That's just what it does. I'll give you one last one. I want to talk about Randy, who has a 1994 Dodge Dakota uh, SLT six-cylinder. He says it starts and runs great, then decides it doesn't want to start for a day or two, then starts up and runs great. Started up three weeks ago, ran great for three weeks, went to start Sunday night, would not start. Monday morning, would not start. Monday night, started right up like brand new. Ran Monday night, started right up on Tuesday morning, ran great to one and a half hour trip to work. Lunchtime, went to start, would not start. Any ideas on that? There's, that's He didn't give you a whole lot of information. No, but uh, 
I got a pretty good idea. I need fuel pump in it. Okay. It's soaking, what they call soaking, and it needs fuel pump in it. It's low fuel pressure. All right. There and you go. And that's the way a fuel pump would do on that year model. Uh, they'll work one day and one day they don't. And they may run three or four weeks. I've got them in on the record. In fact, I'm off the record and they'll bust right off. Go in there and put the computer on it and, and pull up the, the fuel pump motor. And you'll see it. It'll be drawing way too many votes. It's just got weak 94 models. Probably probably had one in its lifetime. It needs another one. Yeah, you can only imagine how many miles the car has on it. Yep. It's not a young car, so But them was good motors. All them right, well. Real good motors. Duck, I don't know the next time that we're going to see each other. We're going to have I'll to figure it out. I'll see you Saturday morning. Oh, you're coming in Saturday? Yes, yeah, my, my Saturday. Okay, so we'll be doing that here on the deal. I don't the, know who's okay. coming on with me or not. I hadn't heard. Ken just sent me a thumbs up or sent, sent me a picture of radio yesterday, and then I sent him back a thumbs up. So Okay. Sounds good. I'll see you Sunday, uh, Saturday morning. All right. Let's see it. Uh, the the uh, guys from uh, the uh, bumper-to-bumper service stations are not going to be on for the next few weeks because of the uh, coverage that we'll be doing uh, downtown at the Capitol. I'll let you know when they're coming back so you can get your questions in and get your questions answered here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I uh, will be back at 9 o'clock. Jimmy Cavan will be with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the uh, last hour of the show today. Let me remind you, this is the uh, last day that we'll take a break. Well, tomorrow is the last day that we'll take a break uh, between 8 o'clock and uh, 9 o'clock. You know, uh, that's not going to happen anymore. We're going to start at 7 a.m. starting Monday and go four straight hours through 11. So that that's what's going to be happening. Now, Jimmy will be joining me from 7 to 11 on Thursday at the State Capitol. He's going to be with us. I've already begun sending out uh, emails to the people that I want on on Tuesday. Monday, I won't be on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Tuesday, I have asked already the uh, – uh, the, the, not the Secretary of State, the uh, uh, Senate pro tem – uh, and that's uh, while well, I had him. I just Hester. talked to Hester. Thank you. I just sent him a, an email, and I sent Shepard an email, who's Speaker of the House, to see if they'll join me in the eight o'clock hour on Tuesday to talk about what's coming up. Uh, I'm going to send Judd Deer uh, a, a pop and ask if the governor will come on on Tuesday as well. And talk about her learns program dealing with education. Uh, that's her her big deal. I I've got I've I've made a copy of it for myself. I'm also going to try to get on the uh, the new secretary of education here in Arkansas to join us because Johnny Key is out now. Good. He'll be he'll be. I guess he's gone now. I don't know if he's I'm still glad. there or not. <laughs> I'm but glad. now that Sarah's in, I would think that her new pick is in as well. So, uh, bottom line. We'll have to see what happens. But I'm going to try to get everybody on for you uh, that makes all the decisions. It's going to be fun. And, and, well, that's the way it works. you got to get those people on. you got to hear what they're saying. you got to get the heads of the, of the committees to come on and talk what they're trying to do. And uh, that lays out the groundwork. 
and the, and the ground rules, basically, about what's going to happen. Yes, sir. And the education committee is, is crucial on architecting this universal school choice plan. Yeah, on, the, on both sides of the, you know, the houses, the House and, and, the, and the Senate. Uh, I think uh, moving it through the Senate is going to be easier than moving it through the House. Uh, I, I looked at, uh, I was talking, well, we had Carlton Wing on, and Carlton is going to be, of course, on the Education Committee. And, it, and even he admitted that there are several people that are on that committee that are uh, Republicans that are not going to be, they're not sure votes. I mean, they should be. But uh, they're not going to be, and uh, the reason they should be is that uh, two years ago, uh, when we dealt with uh, you know education, Sturge killed it. Uh, he killed the whole thing about you know stopping CRT and yeah. all the rest. But uh, this year, uh, Sturge is not there, and this year, education's in the uh, the platform of the state Republican Party when it wasn't. A couple of years ago. So with that in mind, it should, you know, uh, plow the way for a lot of this stuff to get done. Cozart's a guy to watch in that, right? In the House, yeah. Yeah. Is he the, is He's he on be, the committee. Okay, who's the head of that committee? I, I don't know. Oh, what it's he, Evans. Evans, yeah. And, uh, and that's my Cabot guy. Yeah, that's yeah. my guy. Cabot guy. And, and, uh, and I'm not, I've got to be honest with you, I'm going to get him on. I'm not totally thrilled how he because he served on the Cabot School Board. Yes, he did, and he's he a, did. he's a big Thurman guy, a very big Thurman, guy. and uh, that's not good. And uh, you can bet Tony Thurman's already been in his ear. <laughs> what do you bet? Mm. The you know you look that's at an the, <clears throat> you look at the committee and you see names like Vivian Flowers. I'm not worried about Vivian no. Flowers. Okay. Look, I think what is it? Two Democrats is the maximum on any of the yeah. committees. Yeah, two. Yeah. They, they can't stop it if the Republicans stand together. Republicans get everything they want done. No. And, you know, when, when Carlton was on the show, what resonated with me is that he just seemed really passionate about getting universal get, get it done. And that's, that's a very good statement to hear from him because I can tell you, North Rock School District Superintendent, which is in his own, Pulaski County Schools are in his own, but North Rock School Superintendent Greg Pulaski, I can promise you is is going to do everything he can to lobby against this, and that's one of Carlton's schools. But from what Carlton told you and I, that it, it's not going to matter who lobbies him. He seems to be on board. Is it, am I? Does that your takeaway? Well, yeah, that's exactly how I how I uh, accepted what he was saying. But I'll, I'll get to something that you have said many times, and. Uh, it's something we have to consider. But what did the governor have to say? She spoke to education on uh, on Tuesday when she gave her inaugural address. And Aaron, let's let's play what the uh, the governor had to say about education. Today, I will also sign an executive order preventing the political indoctrination of Arkansas school children. As long as I am governor, our schools will focus on the skills our children need to get ahead in the modern world, not brainwashing our children with a left-wing political agenda. (laughs) 
Education is the key that opens the door to a lifetime of opportunity. We cannot allow a child's destiny to be determined by their zip code or the size of their parents' bank account. We know that students of every background can succeed if given a fair chance, a strong start, and a helping hand. Just as I promised you as a candidate, I will make education reform the hallmark of my administration. I will be Arkansas's education governor. We will improve literacy for our youngest students. We will reward our teachers with higher pay. And we will empower parents with more choices so that no child is ever trapped in a failing school or sentenced to a lifetime in poverty. (laughs) Parents are the cornerstone of a good education. Our public schools do not belong to bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. They belong to you. The path to success that starts in the classroom must eventually lead to a good job in the workforce. All right. I mean, that, that, and look, that's the bottom line about education. It should lead to a, uh, a job that you can get as a, uh, a citizen that pays you decently. And, uh, you know, I, I've been talking to Jimmy before the show, and he's hearing a lot from some of the superintendents and teachers and things of that nature, and from the Democrat Party as well. And all of them are saying, doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. Well, let me tell you what, we know for a fact that what we've been doing for years now, at least the 23 years I've been here in Arkansas, hasn't worked a damn. Not at all. Zip, nada. We've just threw good money after bad money. I said the other day, if you're a proponent of the public school system in the state of Arkansas in its current state, then you are a proponent of failure. There's just no way around that. Now, let, let's be clear. We've been talking about that, Jimmy and I have, for weeks now. Uh, it was just a few weeks back that we told you in North Little Rock, where they spent all that money to upgrade all their facilities and build a brand new, you know, uh, football field, and they got wonderful classrooms. I mean, I don't know if they got fountains in the hallway or what. Okay, <laughs> I mean, up in the in, uh, north northwest Arkansas, in the uh, Fayetteville School uh, High School, they have a fountain yeah. inside as you walk in. Yeah. All right. They got marble floors. They got all of that. But their kids aren't learning worth beans in, in, in North. Yeah, and in North Little Rock, what was the what were the figures we we, in, we in found North, out? In North Little Rock, the kids district wide that are not not reading at grade level is seventy five point two percent. Seventy five. Let that sink in, gang. Seventy five point two percent of students across the North Little Rock district school district cannot read at grade level. Okay, now let me ask this question to go along with that fact. Why, if the parents want their kids to read, 
Why aren't they standing outside the superintendent's office beating on his door? That's a very good question. And, and it's one that you and I have talked about, and I've talked to uh, teachers, I've talked to school officials, because I try to look at everything, right? And I think that parents either a lot of them know but they're just not going to take the time i'll give you an example in in conway um, these groups in conway never talked about education they never talked about the reading scores in conway but let conway put one policy about a bathroom up and oh dear lord everybody's coming new out trans of policies right? and you know, then the minority comes out of the the woodwork, right? And what I talk about as far as uh, is is parents is I do get, especially in North Carolina, I do get it's a very blue collar town. I lived there for a long time. It's a blue collar town in the sense that both parents, um, the majority of the situation, if both parents are in the household, they both get up, they both work all day long, they go to jobs. Uh, they're trying to buy groceries, budget their home, take care of their kids, and everything. So it's what time? In the, it's the time in the day, so to speak, with them. But I also think it's to a point that parents in the past years did, but they were beating their head against the wall. So they just got tired of beating their head against the wall, right? They weren't getting anywhere because what alternative does a family have in North Little Rock? The average blue-collar family that doesn't have the money to go to CAC or uh, to another private school in Little Rock or something like that, okay, they're, they're blue-collar families. They don't have that money, so they fought, they tried, they beat their head against the wall. They didn't get anywhere, so they just got tired of beating their head against the wall. What option did they have? Now, if we get this done... Should be a game changer. Yep. We're going to have all kinds of options. Okay. 18 minutes after nine, Jimmy Cavan is here. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, he'll be joining me on Thursdays at the Capitol because um, there's one thing good about Jimmy. If I give him some topics, he can dig up the information on it. <laughs> all right. He can get it for me. And I don't have the time, a lot of times, to dig stuff up, but he does. Or he makes the time, I guess, and uh, and gets it done. Don't forget about ICU protection. Billy Mack uh, has been doing a fantastic job. I've had uh, a brand new friend or, or a friend of mine and a business of uh, of, of uh, a friend of mine uh, get a hold of me over this uh, last week, and uh, we're calling Billy Mack to get on his ICU protection program. They know that they don't have to pay for the hardware. They're not going to have to pay a dollar for that. And they, all they have to do is pay for the service. Service charge for ICU is well in line with all the other service charges that you would be charged by any of the other alphabets that are out there, ADT and all the rest of them, that are offering you uh, you know, security systems for your home. Uh, get the door and window sensors, the indoor and outdoor cameras. Get the, the doorbell camera if you want it. Motion detection, analytics, all of that for either your home or for your business through ICU protection. 501-205-1333. Um, ask to talk to Billy Mack. He'll talk to you directly. He's the owner of ICU. 501-205-1333. This is the company I use to protect my home, and that is ICU Protection. He's here with me, and uh, we uh, I thought we started off 
very well out of the batter's box at oh, yeah. the first base. We turned, and we're running hard right now. We're trying to get around the, the bases and the home plate and get you interested in what's going uh, going down. Again, starting Tuesday and then on Thursdays as well, the Dave Ellswick Show will be back again now that COVID is all done and all the rest. We'll be back again at the Capitol covering live what's going on at the Capitol, bringing you the guests that are uh, making the decisions, running the bills, and have them come on and talk about the legislation, defend their legislation, and all the rest. Uh, I got to send an email today uh, to try to get uh, the governor on. I'd like to have her on Tuesday, if at all possible, because not only did I love her speech that she did Tuesday, but I love the executive orders that she signed. They were very clear towards how she wants to change the state of Arkansas. One of those is, you know, we tried to get rid of CRT through the legislative process two years ago, and James Sturch threw a big old monkey wrench in that. Well, James Sturch is gone, and the uh, the governor... Uh, has set down uh, uh, the law. She says, executive order, you will not teach CRT in the public schools of uh, of Arkansas. Yes, sir, and it says a lot more than that, too, and that's what I want to encourage people. I'm gonna, I've am going i got the, the text of the executive order. I'm going to post it on my Facebook page, okay, today. And I want to read one section of it, just one section of it, because I promise you, if you take... The, if you take the the word or the phrase CRT out of this, you would have swear this came. This is what Democrats say. Okay. okay. All right. That's pretty. Not, I have, can't figure why anybody's against it. Okay. She's empowering the uh, the new secretary Jacob Olivia Olivia uh, or however you pronounce it. Olivia Olivia. Uh, all right. To a. This is just one section. Review the rules, regulations, policies, materials, and communications of the Department of Education to identify any items that may be purposely or otherwise promote teaching that would indoctrinate students with ideologies uh, such as CRT. Now, that's that's the problem the Democrats have, but listen to the rest of this, okay? that conflict with the principle of equal protection under the law or encourage students to discriminate against someone based on the individual's color, creed, race, ethnicity, sex, age, marital status, family status, disability, religion, national origin, or any other characteristic protected by federal, state, or law. That is exactly what Democrats and liberals say, but the problem they have with it is she stuck CRT in there. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The other thing they have problems with on there is... You know, uh, talking about uh, doesn't it doesn't matter you know what color you are or anything. Uh, the left is all about if you're white, you're a supremacist. Oh, oh, well, the, and and that's the whole what 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 they're doing is people in the and what I've heard people say and even some and even some so-called uh, Republicans have said, well, you know, we're we're talking about a problem that doesn't exist because we don't teach CRT in schools. Well, one, that's not true. Okay, there's a reality. 
of indoctrination. They in may not call it CRT, yeah. but they sure are teaching the principles. There are, there are teachers talking about it in class. Now, they can say there, you, you can't do that. Well, you know, the fact is it's happening. But the other thing is, is what's, what the governor's doing is being proactive. Mm-hmm. We see the train coming down the tracks. Well, the, the legislature already saw the train coming down the that the light at the end of the tunnel wasn't the end of the tunnel it was the train that was entering the tunnel they saw that coming they tried to deal with it and james sturch derailed everything right right in in that's what we can't have happen this time that's the reason i'm so excited about governor sanders because what people what people need to understand when she's talking about indoctrination she's talking about indoctrination overall when she talks about political uh, indoctrination of political beliefs, she's also talking about my political beliefs, my conservatism. There's no place in a classroom to indoctrinate political beliefs, no matter what they are. Right? That's what this executive order is saying. Okay, it's 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 across the board. Uh, indoctrination into religion the same way. Now, the f- one argument I got from people on universal school choice is they said, well, you're not for indoctrination in schools, but you, but you want to pay for kids to go to Christian schools. No, that's not the case. That's not the case, okay? What universal school choice does is empower parents to make the decision. If a parent makes a decision to send their kid to a Christian school that's going to have a religion class, that's the parent's decision. I'm going to tell you, I bet you that most parents that send their kids to uh, quote religious schools do so because you don't have to worry about CRT being uh, taught number one but number two the discipline at those schools is infinitely better than what you have at public schools well there there's just no discipline in public schools and that and that's an administration problem that schools have yes, like Greg Pulaski at North Rock School District I was telling you I, I sat there in amazement uh six eight nine months ago when he was putting school plan before the school board and he literally said that the problem north little rock school district has with discipline is they discipline too much you can't make that up and but i've got something here that, that i showed you that will make a difference all right you hold your uh, yes, your sir. thoughts because we got to take a break we got news that we got to get to we're going to do that and then jimmy and i will be back and we'll talk and by the way i don't blame the teachers uh i blame them some but i blame the parents just as much back with you the dave ellswick show and uh, let me uh, let me clear up that statement that i made before we went to the break and I said that as much as I believe teachers have been a problem within the school districts, uh, I believe that as big as that problem is, parents that aren't showing uh, their necessary, uh, you know, the things that they should want from the school system. They're, they're a foundational uh, belief systems. For instance, and I said this at the beginning of the show when we were talking about 75% of the student body over in North Little Rock not being able to read a grade level. Why aren't the parents in North Little Rock beating down the door of the superintendent uh, about about that? And because it isn't happening, it shows you 
that the um, the parents are invested in this. I, I did a I did a Facebook live the other day talking about the all of this deal on public school system education and what i did is i said look i'm not the whole failure public school system i'm not putting the blame on the superintendents the school board the teachers the arkansas school board association there's enough blame to pass around but where i'm assigning the biggest blame where i assign the blame for all this happening is us parents if you're a a parent and you're not telling your child if they come home and they say they got homework to do, and you don't tell them to sit down and do their homework before they do anything else, uh, then you're part of the problem. Big part of the problem. And what I said, and, and a lot of people were going, I, were kind of looking at me funny when I said, I said, look, we are the problem, okay, because we don't demand excellence. And we don't stand up and demand excellence of our kids. We don't stand up and demand excellence of our public school system. I said, how can we demand excellence when we don't even demand mediocre? Remember Polgo? We have met the enemy yep. and he is us. Yeah, that's it. And so and so we're letting a small group of people define our education because we're too lazy sitting on our butts. And won't do anything. Now, I do take up for parents in the sense that, you know, they're working and everything. But I also say, look, you got to make time. Now, one argument some teachers made to me uh, that I really t- – and, and I wish everybody go watch it, my Facebook Live I did because I quoted what they told me uh, word for word. And they blame they blame the parents. They don't give any fault to themselves, which really bugged me, okay? But – they're right in some sense, but what I did tell them, I said, look, what are you doing to help parents? So you don't assume that every parent is a professional teacher because they're not, okay? So if my kid comes to me and he's got problem with algebra, he might as well be talking to somebody in a different language, okay? So what I'm asking teachers to do is if your child's having a problem with reading, you say, look, we need to do this at home, okay? Well, then take the time to talk to Johnny's parents and say, look, he's weak on this in reading. In the evenings, you know, instead of just doing homework, can we focus on this individual thing to help Johnny the next day in school? So because parents are professional teachers, okay? It's kind of like if, uh, you know, you're expecting kids to go home and parents to teach them, okay? Well, if a teacher goes home and their heat goes out, they're not a heat and air person. So who are they going to call? A heat and air professional. Okay, so so I say, hey, you can't put it all on parents. You've got to, you've got to collaborate with parents and get back to individual education, which is what private schools do, right? Well, I, I agree with you uh, on that. But, for instance, what is the percentage of parents that take part in parent-teacher conferences now. Boy, it's just low. It's just low. Well, I guess, for instance, when I went to school, that it wasn't low. No. Everybody was there. No. If you and weren't there, people looked at you and said, what's wrong with you? You're not checking in on what your kid's doing. And and what also happens is parent-teacher conference also turn, sometimes when, will turn into with parents and the teacher getting defensive with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an issue. But I still go back to the deal like in North Laurent. I think, I think also parents are fatigued of fighting it. 
because they had no other option. Well, and, and I don't disagree with that, but when you're a parent and you go to talk to the teacher at a parent-teacher conference, and you and a, I got his his report card right here in front of me, and he's not doing good in this class, not good good that class. What seems to be the problem? What do you think is the problem? And the teacher says, "Well, he hasn't been doing his homework." And if you're the parent and you know that Johnny hasn't been bringing homework home, you go, "How often have they been bringing homework home?" Well, they bring homework home every night of the week we have something that they have to do well i hadn't seen any of that now as a parent as a parent when you leave the parent teacher conference you got to sit johnny down and find out why he's not bringing it home and why he's not doing it and you got to change that if you if he if he's going to succeed now how on the other side and this happened to me i went and i brought a couple of papers that my son had brought home, uh, of and he was proud of them, that he had he had done some writing things. And uh, during the time that he was in school, and this would I guess would have been in second grade, uh, it was creative writing. Creative writing asks that the child not spell the words correctly, that they write whatever it is that they're thinking. Grammar doesn't matter, you know. Spelling doesn't matter. None of that matters. And I asked the teacher, I said, what is this teaching them? Well, it's teaching them to be creative. And I said, look, my son is one of the most creative people I've ever had. Give him a box of crayons and some paper. He'll create stuff for you. But I want him to be able to to write and spell. And she says, well, Mr. Ellswick, you know that, and this is before, this is pre-computer as far as computers weren't in everybody's home. Mr. Ellswick, the time is coming where every home will have a computer and you're going to have, you know, a device within that computer that will spell the words. And I looked her directly in the eye and I said, okay, there, there, and there. Mm -hmm. There you go. (laughs) Which one does the child use? And she just looked at me. Yeah. She knew what I was saying. If you don't know grammar, if you don't know what it is that you're supposed to know, then you know nothing. I, I, I had a conversation yesterday Facebook Live with Conway School Board member Linda Hargis where we talked about reading scores and how to fix it. And we, and we, t- we touched on this somewhat, and I encourage everybody to go listen to it because she really she's really gotten involved in this. But we we talked about the technology, and, and that's what the teacher was referring to. And here's the problem is everybody lets – we live in a world where Google thinks for us. Yeah. And that's what we got to get away from. I don't want Google to think for me. I can use Google as a tool, so I don't want computer systems to think for me, right? And I think that goes to your point. And if we're to a point where we say, well, look, you know, computer's going to do it for us, well, then we're not thinking anymore. Well, then why are we even teaching math if you've yeah. got a calculator? That's right. You don't need to know yeah. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Yeah. It, it could be, you could say it's 5, but if you're using a com- 
you know, the computer of the, of the uh, uh, calculator, it's going to give you the correct answer as is. Right. Look at Excel programs, and it doesn't work for you, but we got to get back to where we think, right? Like you said about your son, creativity, and creativity is a w- wonderful thing, but at the same time, we can say, okay, you get an A in creativity, but son, you get a D in spelling. Yeah. Or we you got to fix F. that. My son, we got an F. Yeah. But we, we got to fix that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. We can't just say, oh, he's creative, so we're not going to worry about it. But that's, see, they were just pushing that to the side. Totally pushing. So what are you teaching him exactly? Yeah. That was my question. That's it. I mean, if we wrote a paper when I was in school and uh, gave it to the teacher and they read it over, they would circle in red, and I know that's a nasty color to use, now don't use red pens because that's aggressive but uh they would circle all the words that you spelled wrong you took your paper home you got out your dictionary that you had at the house and you spelled those words correctly then after you had done that then you would use each of those words in a sentence to show that you understood what the word meant father hugh ausenbacher subiaco academy one of my favorite teachers I remember when I was a junior, I, I, I wrote a little paper, right, and it was my opinion. And he came back to me after he read it. He said, Mr. Captain, he said, I love what you wrote. He just went on and on about it. He said, your thoughts, the whole nine yards. He said, but here's the problem. And he went back to kind of my structure of it and my grammar. He said, so I'm not going to grade this today. You take it, you take it, and tonight you fix it. And you bring it back to me. If you fix it and everything's fixed, I'm going to give you an A. And if you don't fix it, you're going to get an F. Well, he put it back on me. He said, look, your thoughts are good, but you got to fix it. We can't go, oh, good thought, don't worry about that. you got to get the grammar right. Right. Yeah. yeah I, and this goes over into work as well. Let me just tell you, I'll tell you a quick story, and then we got to take a break. I had a, uh, a person who worked for me when I was uh, PD at another radio station here in Little Rock who was in the news department, and she had done a uh, news story, and she was very proud of it. And that I wanted my news people to be proud of what they did. And she brought it to me, and, and she said, I, I know you've won all kinds of awards, Dave, and I'd like you to look at, at this and, and uh, then give it back to me and tell me how I could have done better. Well, I used my red pen, number one. It was a mistake. <laughs> All right. That was a mistake. But I, I, I talked about her, her grammar, how the sentences were put together. I talked about how she didn't follow the continuity of the story and, and whatnot. And I gave it back to her. And I said, you had a great idea. You didn't carry it out correctly. She didn't come back to talk to me to find out how she should have, what she should have done to make it better. She took it to the GM and complained, complained about a hostile work environment. <laughs> and I got called in to talk to the GM, and he says, Dave, I'm going to say what you did wasn't wrong, but with the young people that you're dealing with in your, that uh, division of your oversight – You've got to approach them differently. You can't just tell them they didn't spell it right, they didn't do it right. You've got to pat them on the back, too. 
And I said, this is going to be tough. Yeah. I just always said, this is going to be tough. But that just shows that kind of stuff flows over into the work environment as well. All right, break, and then Jimmy and I will be back to finish it up today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back. I did did something I shouldn't have done, Aaron. I looked up on uh, Fox News, and I took off mute. And (laughs) Biden was speaking. And... And he and he made the statement that he was so disappointed in the first bill that they brought forth was going to add to the deficit $1.7 million of debt. And I and, – and look, I tell you, Jimmy, I tell you, I just went nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a man who's added over $5 trillion of debt – yeah. To the the, uh, the the economy here of the United States, and he's going to point that that's the perfect Matthew story out of the Bible about you know pointing at the the splinter that I got in my eye and you can't see the log in your own eye. Yeah, when I, when you unmuted, I went, "What's Dave doing?" And within about five seconds, Dave starts screaming in here. <laughs> so I really was. I mean. <laughs> Good God. To hear that kind of... I know of... she muted it back pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to hear any more. <laughs> didn't want... But to, to complain about $1.6 million when you've added $5 yeah. trillion dollars to the federal debt is just incredible <laughs> yes. to me. That's incredible to me. All right. So, uh, Jimmy, I'm excited. The governor is all in. I mean, she spoke... Well, it was about a third of her speech was about education. Aaron, was that about right? Am I about right on that? About a third of it was about education? Yeah, it's about right. I had I had been telling you that she was going to be all in about education, and now she's she's starting to really say so. I think what she understands is sees a big picture because I said it the other day, and the number one thing we need to focus on in education across the country – the number one problem is education because we have to think long term. So what I said the other day is <clears throat> how are we going to defend our country in the future if we can't read and comprehend? Or how, how are we going to defend our, our country in the future if we're, te- we're, we're teaching DEI right. uh, in the military, of diversity, equity, inclusion? Yeah, and, and I, took to, I took it to another level too and said it. How can you how, – how are we going to build new roads and infrastructure if we can't read and comprehend? How are we going to provide ourselves energy and water if we Environmentalists can't Environmentalists don't want to do any of no. that anyway. No, they don't. Do that. All right. They just want to shut it all down. They want us back in wagons and, uh, you know, scooping horse poop up. Yeah. Yeah, I had a. This is interesting. I want to get this in because I okay, had a, go. I had an interesting conversation with a Conway, uh, Conway School Board member uh, the other day, and who we were talking about universal school choice, and I was talking about private schools versus public schools, and I said, "Look, you know, they're just better." And she said, "Well, you don't know. You don't have the data." And I, she said, "Do you have the data versus public schools?" And I said. Well, no, I got common sense. I said, but you're right because I'm a fat guy, right? Right. I deal in facts. So what I, said, I said, but I'm going to start digging. So I did. I still, I'm going to keep digging. So let me tell you what I found just very quickly. Okay, the ACT scores in our Arkansas public schools have just 
steadily dropped, declined over the years. I've got the charts. Uh, don't worry home. about it because college is going to say that you don't need an ACT or an SAT sure. to get in. Sure. And, but so the average right now is 18.8 for our public school, right? Okay. Let me give you, let me give you, tell you what the private school average is for the state. Okay. 25. That's a big difference. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so let me give you a list of schools here that are at the top. Private school, this private school average ACT scores twenty five. Again, the Arkansas Public School average scores eighteen point eight. Providence Academy average score twenty seven. Harding Academy twenty seven. Legacy Academy twenty six. Little Rock Christian twenty six. Subiaco Academy, my old alma mater, 26. Conway Christian School, 25. CAC, Central Arkansas Christian, 24. Shiloh Christian, 21. Okay? 21. Now, you stop and, that's and think a, about that's that. that's the worst of those schools. Yeah. So you stop and think about there. There's your, okay, you want some data? Well, here's you some data. Now, I can't help. And, and people will get mad at me when I say this, but I can't help. Besides those being private schools, all those schools I listed, besides those being private schools, what did they have in common? They were Christian schools. Now, before everybody jumps on my throat, understand something that what me and Dave talked about is that's a parent's choice to send them there, which is what we're talking about. And why do they normally send their children there? I think it has less to do with religion then it has a lot to do with safe stuff like discipline. Bingo. You don't have kids running around crazy in the schools and uh, using all kinds of foul language and stuff. Bingo. And I don't blame school teachers for that. I, no. blo- I, bl- I blame administrations, and I don't blame them completely. I blame culture for a lot of it. A big a big time on it. And let me say this. I got shipped off to Subiaco Academy in the 70s when you didn't aspire to go there. Okay. okay. <laughs> and uh, you got sent. So why did I get sent? Why did my mom and her infant wisdom and some other people send me to Subiaco Academy for discipline? And you know what? It worked. Why do parents send their kids to a military school? Yeah. Dis- discipline. Discipline. It is discipline. I feel like I'm in the Wizard of Oz when I do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've got one. I've got the the, the cowardly lion. I have a heart, or they have a, yeah. or, the, or you got the uh, the the, the uh, straw man saying they have a they've got a degree. You know yeah. that kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I'm what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, so I just uh, look, my son. For all of you who think I sent my kids to private school, you're wrong. My uh, one son uh, went to uh, Parkview. My other son went to Hall. My uh, daughter uh, came through the whole um, public school system, through finally through Cabot. We moved when she was uh, in second grade, and so from second grade on, she was at Cabot. But I'll never forget the day that I walked into Hall High School to go uh, get my son, uh, take him to a doctor's appointment, and I heard the profanity that was flying in the in the in the hallways. And secondly, that I walked into uh, by the principal's office, and I I heard a, a student calling a faculty member an MF. Yep. 
Happens every day. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I got into a discussion. It seems to me it was a female at the time about that. And, uh, and, and she was kind of defending it, sort of. And I just looked at it, and I said, if you put up with that, it's on you. Yeah. It's on you. But I also know there's people that at that time, if you would have, have come down on that student— they would have called you a racist. This is the stuff we got to clear out. We've got to get this clear and understand that if a kid gets disciplined, they get disciplined for a reason. And as a parent, you don't go in as the defender of your child. You go in and listen to what is being said. If I got in trouble at school, I can tell you I wasn't worried about the administrator that was Mm -hmm. talking to me. I was worried about when I had to go home and talk to my dad about it. Yeah, and and I did that with my my boys, and they'll tell you it's famous. You know, got about thirty seconds. Administrators got to the point that they would call my wife instead of me because I would literally stop what I'm doing and I would go to that school immediately, and I would say, "Get him in here." There you go. Right now. I mean, that's the way it should be done. Yeah. All right, just so you know, that's the way I believe it. I believe that's the case. And yes, I do still believe in you who grew up when I did. I believe in SWATs. Oh, God. I still believe in SWATs. All right, let's take a break for uh, today. I'll gather back with you at 6 a.m. Robert and Chris will be with me right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.